And we've been hearing sermons in recent weeks about what we're calling principles of a faithful ministry. We've talked about the doctrine of Scripture, the doctrine of justification. Last week we talked about the doctrine of adoption. And this week we'll consider the doctrine of sanctification, which may be an unfamiliar word to some, but it is the language of Scripture, and therefore it needs to be our language. We need to understand it, and we need to labor in it. So towards that end, give your attention to Philippians chapter 1, selections from there. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Throughout the service, you've heard numerous passages, even themes within our hymns that we've sung, that all echo this biblical teaching of sanctification. Our hope and our prayer is that we would grasp this together and labor for it. Let's pray to that end. Lord, would you now open our eyes, whether we're young and hearing these things for the first time, or whether we're old and we've heard these things for many, many years. Whatever the case, Lord, would you enlarge our hearts for what it is to grow in grace, to be changed, to be transformed more and more into your image. May that be true of every one of us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So... I am becoming, every year, a little bit more like my dad. My dad is now deceased, but I, I remember probably 10, 15 years ago, my first instance of bending over to tie my shoe and grunting like my father would always do. I see in the mirror what looks more like my dad than it does what I think of myself in my mind. My hairline has become my father's. My waistline has become my father's. My legs have become my father's. My jokes have become more <laughs> like my father's. Somehow about five years ago, I realized I suddenly had an interest in soups and stews, like my father. I never liked soups and stews. All of a sudden, I got interested in soups and stews. I spend more time in my recliner, like my father. I like to watch sports on TV, like my father. I like to grill, like my father. I like to listen to music that my children make fun of, like my father. Big Neil Diamond fan, by the way. 
And one day, maybe I'm even going to hum like my father. And only my family gets that statement. My father was a hummer. Some people whistle while they work. My dad hummed. And everybody who knew him, you could walk out in the yard. We were on a farm. And you could listen for Pat Robert. And you could find him because he was humming. He was always humming. And everybody would say, Pat Robert is a hummer. He just hums all the time. Hmm. I guess I am a hummer. I heard that myself. I'm becoming more like my dad. And for the little ones who are hearing this sermon on sanctification, I'm telling you this story because I want you to have something to talk about at lunch today. You are becoming more like your dad. And you girls are becoming more like your mom. Because we have them in us. And there's a very real parallel to the doctrine of sanctification. Not physically, but spiritually. That we are becoming more and more like the God who has saved us. He is making our hearts to be more like His. Our wills, what we desire to be more like Him. Our passions, our pursuits, the things that we desire. He's conforming us to be more and more like Him throughout the Christian life and forever and eternally in glory, in glorification. So, that's where we're going this morning. I'm going to do this as quickly as I can. I have three points for you this morning. Quite simply, sanctification, what it is. Sanctification, how it works. And then thirdly, sanctification, why it matters. And I want to spend the most time there. To define our terms, I always think it's a good idea to look at our denominational standards, the wisdom of others, centuries past, from all kinds of backgrounds. And from them we can gain great wisdom and insight. And so in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which you've heard me quote from numerous times, it says this, Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man, the whole person, after the image of God. And we're enabled more and more to die to sin and to live in righteousness or for righteousness or to righteousness. That is a great biblical summary of what all the scriptures we've heard this morning, what they are saying about sanctification. But here, here's a few scriptural passages from which we could draw that definition. First is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It says this, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. So what is sanctification? Well, it's God's will for Christians. It's His will that you be sanctified. And interestingly, if we went on and read the passages beyond verse 3, He would immediately start talking about sexuality. Saying it is God's will that you be sanctified in your body in the subject of sexuality. Well, there's a relevant subject. There's one that's a hot current button issue. And the Scriptures in their wisdom speak directly to it because humanity has always been a sinful mess on the subject of sexuality. In that sense, there's nothing new under the sun. We just continue to spiral in our own sin. So what is sanctification? It's God's will for us who are in Christ. Secondly, it is the power to set us free from the domination of sin. Listen to Romans chapter 6, verses 11 to 14. Paul says, Count yourselves 
dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So that's just one example of where Paul says, look, if you are in Christ, you are no longer to be dominated by sin. Which means you and I can no longer say, well, it's just who I am. You know, I'm, I'm an angry man. I put fists through drywall. My father did the same. So that's just who I am. Or I'm just harsh. I come down hard on people. It's just who I am. I can't change. None of us can say that. If we're in Christ, and we heard all the things in our pastoral prayer, anger, rage, filthy language from our lips, because God's Spirit is in us, we're to go to work to experience transformation. And change. None of us can say, well, that's just who I am. It's just who I am. We're called to go to work to put sin to death. And God says He does that in the work of sanctification. Thirdly, it is God Himself at work in us, accomplishing this work within us. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24. We heard it as our assurance of pardon. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, all of you, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. So there's a sense in which it is the call upon us to go to work in our sanctification Yet it is the power of God that makes it effective and gives us hope. Without Him, without His Spirit, His promise to do it, you and I couldn't have any change whatsoever that He would be pleased with. But God has promised to do this work in us. And so we have great hope for change. If some of you this morning feel like you're being dominated by sin, that it's just who I am, you need to believe this promise of God. And you need to ask for this promise of God. He says He will give it. He will work it. So, what is sanctification? It's the will of God. It's His giving you a power to not be dominated by sin. And it is God Himself doing it in us. One more comment about what sanctification is. And this is from personal experience. And some of you could echo the same. What is sanctification? It's growing pains. It hurts a little bit. Some of you young teenagers are in the process of waking up in the middle of the night with aching legs, right? And mom, dad, what is this? Growing pains. Well, growing pains? That sounds terrible. Well, do you want to stay short for the rest of your life? No. You'll, lo you'll live through growing pains for the sake of what's on the other side of them. And in the Christian life, it's so much the same. Your seasons of greatest growth have probably come through living through hardship, disappointing experience, things not going the way you had hoped they would, 
and God growing you through them. I know as a parent, I always um, have this tension, and you have it too, of, oh, I don't want my child to go through hardship. We want to navigate life without them ever tripping and, and skinning a knee or falling off a bicycle or not making a sports team or getting a bad grade. Well, that's not going to happen. And rather, we should see that those are the means through which children grow. And, and in the spiritual life, it is the same way. It will be through hardship, through hurt, through suffering that we grow the most. And so we should have that expectation. They are growing pains. Sanctification hurts, but it's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And Philippians 1.6 reminds us that it's God doing it. He who began that good work, He's going to complete it. He's going to do it. So, probably a lot of pain and disappointment in our future. But if you're in Christ, you can lean into it, knowing this is how God will grow my faith and bless me. Nobody ever wants it, but the truth is that's how God usually works. Secondly, well, how does sanctification work? How does sanctification happen? Um, does God just shoot us with a laser beam from heaven and we start growing in holiness and righteousness? No, of course not. But there is a way that the Scriptures tell us God ordinarily works in the life of of a Christian. A couple of things we need to know about this process. Number one, it is hard and it's not easy. Sanctification doesn't just happen, but there has to be a new hunger and a new discipline that is involved in us. And God's Spirit works that in us. And that's hard. It's hard to live through change. And sanctification, by definition, is change. So first, you need to know it's hard and it is not easy. Secondly, you need to know that it's not optional. And there's a lot of confusion in the modern church on this subject. I was listening to a, a podcast this week. Uh, Dr. Harry Reeder in the PCA and Dr. John Piper uh, from Bethlehem Baptist in Minneapolis, Minnesota on this subject, and I think they rightly said this. I wonder if this is true in your experience. Preachers today are rightly preaching and emphasizing the doctrine of justification and adoption. Our last two sermons. But they are doing it at the cost of neglecting sanctification, which happens to be our sermon today. But I think that's exactly right. We want clarity on justification by faith. We want people to understand they are adopted into the family of God. But there's something in the life of a minister and a ministry that can start to neglect talking about change and sanctification. And John Piper said in his comments that he thinks, and I think he's right, that it's because pastors are not experiencing sanctification in their own lives and they don't want to feel conviction or be outed. And so they neglect talking about it because of their own vulnerability. Well, let me just say, may that never be the case here. May we e hear equally emphasis on justification, adoption, and sanctification. Not any one of those doctrines at the cost of the other, but all three as they're given to us in Scripture. In scripture. Amen? Amen. Martin Luther. Time for a Martin Luther quote of the week. It's not optional. Justification is not optional. And that's why we 
Uh, excuse me, sanctification is not optional, and that's why we emphasize it as we should. Martin Luther said this, powerful quote, There is no justification without sanctification. No forgiveness without renewal of life. No real faith from which the fruits of new obedience do not grow. Now you have to understand what he's saying. We would say it maybe like this, that justification and sanctification are two sides of one coin of salvation. You can't have one without having the other. And that's rightly said. Where there is justification, there will be sanctification. And you have to understand the distinction between the two, right? Justification is that act of God, that declarative word that says, I regard you as righteous, though you are sinful. Sanctification is that life, long, slow process of change. And there can be seasons of growth and seasons where we lack growth. But there is some steady incline and transformation in the Christian life. And so together, those two doctrines, as well as adoption, they give us this sense of assurance that God is at work in us. And I can see that I'm not the same person I was in so many ways in my years behind me. And you should do the same thing. It offers us confidence that God is at fact at work within us. So sanctification, it's hard, it's not easy, it's not optional, it's not an elective. It's also thirdly by the Spirit. We know this clearly from Scripture. Sanctification is by the Spirit of God working in us. It's internal work, it's a renewing work, and it's slow, progressive, and lifelong. We are being sanctified till the day we die. And on that day, we will be glorified. And on that day, we will know what it is to be fully separated from our sin. It's been said this, justification, uh, justification is our understanding that our penalty for our sins is done away with because of the blood of Christ. Sanctification is our seeing the power of sin done away in our everyday life. And in Jesus' ministry, we see the equivalent of this. I think this is helpful. When Jesus would say, your sins are forgiven. Justification. Now go and sin no more. The call to sanctification. And so that's the rhythm in our life. We know that we're justified. And now we know God is at work in us, sanctifying us. And we labor for it. It's by the Spirit. It's with the Word of God. The Spirit working by and with the Word in our heart. That we are reshaped by His Word. We grow in His Word. Which means we need to read it. We need to hear it. We need to talk about it. We've got to be exposed to the truth of God's Word. Jesus says that He'll sanctify His people by the truth. And that Thy Word, O God, is truth. So just a word of application on that. In that way, we really help each other in sanctification. Man, it is one thing to take up your Bible and read and be blessed by the truths that you're finding. It's another to maybe listen to a sermon and be blessed by those truths that you're hearing. Those are incredible gifts of God. But we too are an avenue of ministry to one another through a small group, 
through a community group, through Sunday school, through whatever avenues, of hearing each other. You're learning from Scripture, your growth in grace. And we want to make sure we make advantage of that avenue of ministry at GPC. Uh, our future, we anticipate more robust small groups, more opportunities for you to know each other, come into each other's lives, and benefit and help each other grow. Because it's Word and Spirit working together in the people of God and in community. And then fourthly, or fifthly on that, how it works. Well, it's through lived experience. God is at work in His people through our lived experience. You think about Old Testament and God, God's work uh, in the life of Israel and the patriarchs. You know, that growth in God's people, it was through fire and storm frequently. It was through hardship. And in the New Testament, the disciples, as they grew, as the Lord grew them, it, we would find at the end it was through fire and storm that they would grow. And for the early church and for the apostles, it was through fire and storm. And so I've already said, the same is true for us. Much of our growth will come through fire and storm, and the Scriptures tell us to prepare for that. So sanctification, that's what it is. That's how it works, big picture. Thirdly, why does it matter? Why does sanctification matter? Well, for several reasons that I'll highlight. Number one, because if we are a church and a Christian people who are not being uh, sanctified, then we're hypocrites. And how many times have you heard it? The church is just full of a bunch of hypocrites. If we're not being sanctified, then we are sending a message of hypocrisy that this gospel that we preach has no power to change sin in our hearts and in our minds. But it does have power. And so the duty of ours is to pursue this change that God gives us, that He works in us. Otherwise, we would be hypocrites. Secondly, why it matters. It is only sanctification that can bring deep change. Any other changes that you and I muster up are superficial changes. We can do behavior modification but we can't do heart surgery on ourselves. Sanctification is that deep change of the heart, and it's God alone who can do it. Otherwise, it's not legitimate. It's not real. Thirdly, this sanctification and why it matters is because at the end of the day, it really is about our Christ-likeness, our being more and more like our Savior, or you could say becoming more and more like Dad, looking more and more like your heavenly Father, taking on His temperament, His kindness, His love. And so our Christ-likeness is at the very heart of sanctification. And then fourthly, it is how we are to be the church in the world, which you've picked up on is what we are praying for in our pastoral prayer every week. That is our job description as a Christian church, to be the church to do the things God has called us to do, to seek to rightly model His image, His likeness, and His love in the world in which we live. Well, that's a pretty tall order for a description of sanctification, isn't it? That's a lot. That's a lot of duty. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of privilege. So you could hear this message this morning in one of two ways. 
The first is this. Yeah, that's the kind of Christian we all need to be. And these people around me need to get it together because they're not carrying their end of the deal. Because I just watched Top Gun the movie this week and I realized that it's up to an elite few of us, the Christian pilots who can get it done. So we did see Top Gun this week. And boy, it is amazing how that movie can energize one. Uh, and, And it will be true again. You remember after the first Top Gun movie 36 years ago, Uh, the recruitment into the Navy increased by 500%, right? Because everybody wanted to be a pilot. And there's something about that that energizes us because we love to see men of excellence and men of ability, men raising the bar and being excellent. That's an awesome message. But it's not awesome on this thing. Because the truth is, what God is calling of us this morning and every morning It's not for you to be the top gun elite of the elite. The one who's better and rises to the surface from everybody else. What he's really doing is calling us as sinners to be ordinary plotters. Those who plod along slowly, gradually, but sincerely to the glory of God and to becoming more and more like Him. So we're not mavericks in sanctification who are just great at everything. We just kind of learn to plod along faithfully, repenting of our sins, looking to Christ, seeking to grow in obedience and righteousness and holiness. And this morning as we come to this table, do you understand this is not a table for the mavericks who are good at everything? This is a table for sinners who recognize they need a Savior who've professed faith in that Savior, been baptized in the name of that Savior, and who come and take and eat and are reminded that my sins have been justified in Christ. And I'm being called to be sanctified. And I need food to fuel me in that effort. And Jesus gives us Himself in blood and in wine to remind us that all that He requires, He has provided. Let's pray, then let's sing, then let's come to the table. Lord, that is our prayer this morning for our church, for every one of us. That even as we'll sing, that we would learn to take our lives and let them be consecrated to You. Every part of who we are. Whole person change. That we would no longer be dominated by sin and our love for it, but we would be growing in our hatred of our sin and our desire to put it to death. And Lord, we thank You for Your promise to do this in us. Would You do it more and more? We ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.